Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman and you are listening to the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at agricultureproud.com. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, coming at you from Helena, Montana. On this podcast, I cover a little bit of everything in agriculture and hear the stories behind a few of the people who are involved in farming and ranching from all different parts of the country. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Follow me on social media as AgProudRyan and on Facebook as AgricultureProud. And as always, you can find all the episodes and show notes at agricultureproud.com podcast. And while you're there, go ahead and hit subscribe so you never miss a blog post or a podcast episode. Well, if you recall, on episode 18 of the podcast, I spoke with Jim Matheson of the National Bison Association. We talked about raising bison on ranches across the country at the national level and a little bit about eating bison meat, which is a growing uh, meat category that we're seeing in more restaurants and grocers across the country. So today I am going to follow up that conversation with Aaron Paulson. He's the president of the Montana Bison Association and a rancher in southwest Montana. Um, So I attended the Montana Bison Association's Winter Conference in Great Falls a few weeks ago, and it was really interesting to hear about the bison side of ranching. So normally I've grown up and have worked in the cattle side of ranching and have worked on the bison side as as like a wildlife on public lands and the policy issues that come along with that. So it was neat to sit down and talk about uh, ranching with bison producers and what are some of the different aspects of that. So I talked with Aaron. He's a rancher in southwest Montana on the Snowcrest Ranch, which is part of Turner Enterprises. And uh, you may recognize that name. And talked to Aaron uh, kind of from the field perspective of what it's like to raise bison in Montana and how that may differ from raising cattle and some of the challenges that come along with that, um, whether it be public perception of bison on lands um, or in the ranching communities, what other ranchers may think of that. And then also trying to get uh, bison meat out to consumers, whether that be at local stores in Montana or national chains as well. And so be sure to go to the podcast uh, show notes and I'll provide some links to where you can find bison meat in Montana and in national retailers. And then you'd be sure to go to montanabison.org. That's Montana Bison Association's website uh, to learn a little bit more about what the association is doing here in Montana in raising bison out in the field. And you can find all of those show notes at agricultureproud.com podcast. Just look up episode 19. <laughs> All right, and uh, Ryan Goodman here at the uh, Montana Bison Association meeting in Great Falls. And I've got Aaron Paulson. He is a rancher in Montana and president of the Montana Bison Association. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. All right, so uh, to kick us off a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about your your role in the bison ranching community in Montana. So right now, being the president of the Montana Bison Association, it's to help coordinate all of the ranchers and producers within the state in the bison sector of agriculture. And then beyond that, I'm a ranch manager for a ranch in southwest Montana in the Ruby River Valley. And uh, we run a commercial bison operation um, and, and send our product every year to the, to the commercial grocer's market. Okay. Have you always been involved in raising bison? No, I've only been around bison for about the last six and a half years. So in the big picture, I'm relatively new to it, but it's also a a very pivotal time in this growing industry to uh, be a part of it. Okay. So what's, uh, what are some of the big differences in raising uh, like cattle versus bison? I think that what, what the common 
idea would be when you think of bison from from the general public's perspective or or anybody else that's not familiar with them is that they're big woolly terrible hard to hard to manage and and uh and tough to be around they beat your pickups up you can't take them anywhere they just go wherever they want to go and uh what we're trying to do is educate people that that's not the case that these animals are actually pretty easy to deal with if you set yourself upright um the animals will do well they'll they'll graze your land the way you want the way they maybe did several hundred years ago and and all you have to do is provide them the opportunity to do that and then you have a great byproduct that's worth a significant amount of money right now that's an alternative red meat the bison that are on the operation they go and they end up at different retail locations and so a lot of people discovering bison as an alternative meat so what's your favorite cut of bison i honestly have to say as basic as it sounds is burger because it's so universal it doesn't matter what we end up eating if we're eating bison oftentimes is 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 some cow that you end up having to cull or some old bull or something like that and and there you can't beat bison with a little bit of olive oil in there it's so lean you don't have to dump fat out of your pan when you're cooking it and it tastes good and the protein is 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 quite high the fat's low and you just feel good after you eat it so burger is pretty hard to beat yeah no we've had some here at the meeting and it was pretty good burger so can't complain there so a little bit back to the association side talked to the national bison association a little bit earlier um, we're here with montana level um, about how many bison are in the state and, and how many different producers or ranchers are there raising bison commercially last year the department of livestock collected per capita fees for 8116 bison in the state and uh, those fees are six dollars and 38 cents a piece which is three times that of beef so it's a significant investment as far as the livestock taxes part of it um, of those 8,000 bison the montana bison association represents probably in the neighborhood of um, 6,000 of them maybe 7,000 there's several small producers that that don't make it to our meetings often or they're just doing their own thing that equates for all of the domestic bison in the state the 8,000 head um, then that's a totally separate discussion from the wild bison that would come out of Yellowstone. Yeah, and so dealing with bison in Montana, Yellowstone bison are the first thing that people think about. But raising bison commercially is, is quite a bit different um, because you're, you're managing them and you're handling them on, on a ranch for an end product, correct? Yeah, that's right. So what we really try to instill in our members, which there are, I think right now we're at about 40 members, um, that are active members within our association. The average herd size is 100 animals, and we really try to instill management. And the fact that you can't just unload them off the trailer and turn your back on them and that because they're bison and they evolved under this terrain and this area that they're going to take care of themselves. We really try to make sure that people understand that you need to keep your fences up. You don't need to have an 8-foot tall chain link fence around it probably, but you need to have a, a decent fence around them and you need to provide them good feed and good water and other than that they're pretty happy but they take management whether it's a on the managing your grass and your forage or managing your herd health they they require a level of management um, much like other livestock yeah and, and so just kind of putting them in comparison like most people be used to, to handling cattle um, so when we've been talking about bison I've been talking about best management practices here at this meeting um, and something that's kind of come up that I've that I've just kind of noticed is that bison are a little more susceptible to stress um, than when we might be talking about cattle. And so that changes a little bit in how we handle them, correct? That's right. So bison bison don't do well with chronic stress. If they're getting, getting exposed or being exposed to stress all the time, you'll end up seeing secondary pathogens that'll pathogens that, that are really really hard on their health and can create quite a bit of death loss so what we as producers try to do is handle them once or twice a year 
make sure that we don't miss anything when we are handling them and, and, and turn them back out and get them in a situation where they're out on grass, they don't have an extensive amount of human contact, they calve themselves, um, they, really, they really get the chance to be away from that stressful situation of being in the corrals. Um, and uh, so you were talking a little bit about the handling and that was pretty neat to be able to show some videos of how um, you're able to take an animal that, that can have a larger flight zone and be susceptible to stress and being able to handle them, getting, getting them used to being handled by humans, whether it be horseback or ATV or on foot, um, and, and easily flowing through corrals or pens or, or pasture moves. Um, so that, that was a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat way to see some of that. And then we had some producers who were talking about their different fencing styles. Um, so what's the most common fencing um, materials that producers would be using? Because when we're talking about cattle, I mean, barbed wire is, is pretty much, and you might have some electric fence thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, so, Ryan, what, what we find with most of the producers, there's, there's a, quite a different array of fencing, and a lot of it is what the ranch had on it when they bought it or what their grandpa had on it back when he used to raise cattle or whatever it is. But, but what we're seeing most people, especially if they're putting in new fence, go to is some form or fashion of electric fence, and that might mean just a single strand of electric wire, um, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's three or four or five wires of electric fence. But electricity is a great tool with bison, and it's not so much that we need to have them get shocked, but it's just that they need to have that, that respect for that fence. And once you establish that respect, they're pretty darn good at staying home. They don't really create many problems. It's a psychological barrier, and, and so you can get by with a lot less than what we either historically have gotten by with or, or what we currently are getting by with. Okay. And... Uh a lot of that comes into doing a lot of pasture moves, and it was mentioned that bison are not innately a static animal, um, so keeping them moving is an important part of the manage, managing them. Yeah, going back to, to the management part of it, um, you know, everybody has a different way of managing their animals or their ranch, you know, geography-wise or, or whatever it is, has a different way of doing it, but what we found especially in our operation, is that we, if we can provide multiple pastures, we can modify our grazing planning to make sure that we're not only benefiting the land, but we're benefiting the animals, and we're working with that behavior where they want to be moving anyways. They don't want to just sit static. So um, not only are we making sure that we're taking half and leaving half out of a pasture, but we're providing fresh grass. We're, we're working with uh, making sure that we're trying to eliminate parasites because we don't continue their life cycle, whatever it is. They want to move, and so if we can direct that movement in a way that's going to benefit the land, it more than likely will benefit the animal as well. Oh, for sure. Um, and then just one other kind of topic that was really touched on here um, is health. Um, so we had had veterinarian up that you work with and talking a lot about um, about the diseases and health concerns um, that you deal with with bison. So what are some of those that might be um, bison-specific or, or top of the radar with bison? I think that for, for most anybody that's listening, the first thing they read about in the paper, if it's not every day, it's every week, is brucellosis in bison. And that is a concern, but what we need to remember is, is that it's not a bison disease. It's actually, right now, it's an elk disease. And luckily, because of where science has taken us, we can define that. If, we, if, 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 a, if somebody's cow, beef cow, or a bison is test, tested positive for brucellosis, genotypically, they can go through and determine where that brucellosis came from, that it came from an elk, and then subsequently where the elk came from, more than likely. And so brucellosis is on the tip of everybody's tongue. We, we deal with it where we're at on the ranch, the elk have it, in the whole greater Yellowstone area. It's a big concern, but at the same time, the Department of Livestock set us up for success in the fact that they, the borders aren't going to get closed down. It's not going to 
hurt the, the cattle industry because there are management plans in place to make sure that you're working with brucellosis. The next big disease that we deal with right now is probably mycoplasma is our second largest and it's a pneumonia type disease um, and, and we're working with it. We're working with some different uh, vaccines, an autogenous vaccine to make sure that we have an effective vaccine that, that has actually come from these bison and, and um, dispersing that throughout the country to different bison herds but it can be quite catastrophic to a producer that's not actively vaccinating for it. I hear you time and again talking about management and that's been something that's been um, been good to hear because in the news yeah we hear a lot about you know Yellowstone bison or something like that and so it's good to see on the commercial side of raising raising bison and, and association coming together and saying hey these are be our best management practices and, and we're raising these animals for meat consumption um, so on that end what's your target consumer for bison meat um, here in Montana is there is there quite a bit of local meat selected um, and where where can folks find some of that it seems like, um, by and large, probably not statistically because of the larger Turner operations that, that most of the meat is, in, is ending up in the commercial grocers market, whether it's Costco or Safeway or Whole Foods or Ted's Montana Grill is where the larger larger portion of it goes, but there are a number of producers that are on these 100, 100 bison operations that are selling their meat locally. They're, they're either doing it through on-ranch harvest, so people can look them up um, through our website, which is montanabison.org. And connect with a member in their area and more than likely there's some member that will allow you to come out and harvest harvest some animal off their ranch take it to a local processor and, and end up feeding your family with that or other options would be to go to the grocery store and look for that costco is a great great place to go um, to give them a free plug they they typically always will carry carry bison on their shelves um, it's it's marketed through the label of great range which is the company where our bison are processed okay so yeah, Costco is a good place. I uh, go get go there for uh, for a lot of good food, and, and they're known for their quality products. So that's that's good to see. Um, so where's where's the Montana Bison Association, and where are Montana bison producers headed in the future? In the future, what we hope right now, we're shorting the the uh, the grocers and the and the um, product and the product chain. We're shorting them by about twenty percent product, and so. They're begging for more meat. They're begging for more bison. And we can't make a mistake and get greedy and just because the prices are high, sell more cows or sell more young animals than we want because we need to grow these herds. But we also need to grow it very carefully. We can't just have people say, oh, because the beef market's down right now, I'm going to jump ship. I'm going to sell my cattle and jump into bison. We want to do this slowly. And so what we would like to ask people is that come to one of our meetings or call a member in your area and say, thinking about getting into bison maybe just very slowly maybe very small rather than maybe taking on a little bunch of sheep for some additional revenue or, or a different enterprise visit with somebody and say what would it take for me to run a little bunch of 20 bison calves or maybe a bunch of 100 by 100 100 head of bison calves um, that's where we can grow this market because there are ranches all over the state as I said, 30 or 40 or 50 of them that are already set up with the infrastructure to run these cow herds, these more adult animals, the ones that maybe take a little bit higher level of management. But um, with the right education, there's opportunity to run calves, and, and we can produce more calves in the state and spread that out among producers and hopefully help meet that 20% demand, doing it very carefully so that we don't boom the market, make, create a big boom, and then have some sort of crash. Mm -hmm. So that uh, being short of, short of uh, demand for supplies can be a good thing, um, but definitely something that uh, provide, leaves some opportunity on the table, right, for growth. Yeah, right now the, the demand is through the roof, and for the last 10 years the prices have continued to increase. 
and that's what we want to see but we also don't want to hit that price point where we lose consumers and so if we can do it carefully we can still provide the consumer the product they're looking for whether it's the, the taste or the quality and make sure that uh, that they can get that product and it's on the shelf every day okay uh, so you mentioned montanabison.org uh, find all the information there but you're on social media as well right? yeah yeah montanabison.org will take you to our website and that will link you to Facebook Instagram and Twitter and uh, we welcome anybody and everybody who has any kind of an interest in bison whether it's uh, whether it's ranchers or, or you know conservation groups that are interested in how we as ranchers produce these commercial bison all right well I hope everybody jumps on and, and uh, gets to learn a little bit more about the commercial bison business and uh, go, go buy a bison burger and uh, try it out if they haven't already. That's right. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate you coming to the conference and, and uh, your help in helping promote our product. All right. No problem. So thanks for having me and uh, thanks for joining me today, um, Aaron, and uh, enjoy the rest of the meeting. Thank you. We will. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron Paulson, rancher in Southwest Montana and president of the Montana Bison Association. Be sure to take a look at the show notes of this episode at agricultureproud.com slash podcast. Just look at episode 19 and I'll have more information and links about the Montana Bison Association or you can go to montanabison.org. And that's all I have for this week. Tune in next week for a new episode. And as always, you can connect with me on social media as AgProudRyan and on Facebook as AgricultureProud. Until next time, this is Ryan Goodman with the Agriculture Proud Podcast.